story. Welcome back to Pilot Boys. My name is Caesar, and today I am joined by one of our favorite guests, <laughs> Gab Chabran. Good Gab afternoon, Chabran. everybody. How are you? Good to see you. Thank you for having me. Of course. Today we're doing the new David Choe. Cho or Choe? I think it's Cho. David Cho show on FX and the also new Marvel show called Modoc. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. So you came to me and you were like, I think there's a lot of through lines between the two. Yeah. And like, I just walk me through like what, what made you want to talk about these two? Yeah. Um, I think if you take into consideration the, I mean, we're going with uh, pilots, the first episodes, this right. being pilot boys famously, of course, um, that uh, the most through line connection that I saw is that it was dealing a lot with sort of human vulnerability, mm. especially with relation to male identity okay. uh, and, uh, and, and dealing with, with family relationships, essentially. Right. So Also I, the social media aspect. Right, right, yeah. The tech aspect. Yeah, definitely. And, like, um, navigating families, like, within that aspect of it. I know that's a huge part of sort of MODOK, too, as well. The kids being involved in the process yeah. uh, at the same time. Whereas with Cho, he's reflecting kind of more back onto his uh, his upbringing, essentially. Right. And, uh, and interviewing people about that, too, at the same time. Right. Um, and I'm assuming that social media, I mean, I don't remember as much of the social media aspect as part of Cho's. I mean, I know his presence on Instagram. Well, just and like his origin. Too. Like. Oh, well, yeah. That, I mean, the, you mean why we're, he has a TV show and why we talk yeah, about him and everything? Right. Like he's here because of that. And the fact that. He's a product like, of social media, but not in like the sense, like he's an influencer. But no, like but his, also. Uh, his relevancy, essentially. I it, think a little bit though. Um, sure. I think that media has kept. Like, I, for me, I, I didn't know about him really until uh, Ugly Delicious, I think. Okay. Like, that was when, like, I, I really, like, I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll check this dude out. Mm-hmm. And then I started to, like, you know, check his interviews with, right. like, uh, Bobby Lee and Asakir. But what I mean sure. is, like, just kind of the ever-reaching arm of tech in mm-hmm. our lives. Right. And, like, how it can start someone's life and it can, like, be a lifeline for others or, like, it's just taking over shit mm-hmm. I, I, that I, that was the one that came to mind first right but i think that the stuff you mentioned about like you know could your role as a as a dad as a person like just trying to be at peace with that right and i think that that's true that's true of both of them but let's start with modok or cho what do you want to start with either one whatever whatever you're feeling i feel like cho is a little heavier mm yeah and, like a little meteor obviously sure. um because of I, the subject matter and how it deals with right it. Yeah. like they i mean while they are connected through these like themes mm-hmm. um drastically different shows obviously definitely definitely like even just the subject matter you know mm-hmm. like it's it's a lot heavier and in, in cho and like yeah it feels like more more of an art piece but i think that the art in modok is also part of what it is yeah and then i think i again and maybe i said this already but to say it more succinctly is that uh i think they both kind of deal with sort of male identity in a sense uh and i think that's that's kind of where the the through line for me exists 
Oh, sorry. That's okay. I think my mic just dropped for a yeah, second. Yeah, no, I, I, I muted it for a second. All right, say that again. Uh, the through line uh, for the male identity, kind of specifically right. for me. So. Okay. So let's start with Modoc. Yeah. So the first episode is just about like he he runs AIM and it's kind of failing, and then there's like a grizzle or grumble or something like grizzle or something like that. Sure. Um, they decide to like invest. Right. Uh, what did you think of, of the first episode of, of this? Well, so I think first off for the listeners, we should probably provide a little bit of background on the character itself. So right. it's a Marvel character. It's like a, a legacy Marvel character, essentially. I th- yeah, think like a Marvel was, villain. Right, right. And I believe he was created by Jack Kirby. I that could sounds, be mistaken, yeah, but I'm it feels sure. like definitely sort of new gods like era in that sense. Like just the design and stuff? Um, right, right. Yeah, it feels very Kirby-esque. He almost kind of looks like Jack Kirby if I think about it, you know? Um, <laughs> just in terms of his face and, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. so I'm assuming what happened was either um, Patton Oswalt, who voices MODOK, or Seth Green, uh, who does the... Robot chicken style. Robot chicken style animation, came to Marvel and was like, yo what's up like we want to do this you like know we got a pitch for this right right and marvel having you know being part of disney and being you know having more money than god was like oh yeah you want to do an eight you know episode run on hulu about this character and you have all the studio for it yeah go for it so yeah because it's way different than anything i've seen marvel a hundred percent yeah and it's like it's um there's a meta ness to it too at the same time and i think yeah. that's because of the robot chicken aspect right uh I, I will say that i think that that's the common mode now for these kinds of shows mm-hmm. i haven't seen it but i heard harley quinn is the same mm. um the animated that series Star Trek show lower decks okay the same. yeah it's it's i think it's like this is their crack at that i think that this is kind of the thing now like for sure a lot of uh superhero stuff has like the meta thing now definitely which is which is interesting yeah it's like offshoot though you know they're yeah. like that's where they like get weird you know yeah in that I, sense. I think that that's where yeah exactly i think that that's where they get to like stretch their legs and right step outside of like the traditional marvel uh format or structure. right right and i'm all for that you know right. in that respect um I, I want to see more of that. And so that's kind of what initially drew me to the show is the fact that, you know, like, oh, they're getting weird with it. Like, let's check it out. You yeah. Know? And and if we're... So I've I've been watching... I watched, I think, everything that's come out, the new Marvel Phase 4 shit. Okay. And I've been trying to establish a through line for myself. Like, okay. what is the theme here that they're going for? Mm. I think Good even question. with, like, the, the, the recent Spider-Man trailer, it seems like a lot of what they're doing is... Uh, along with like WandaVision, it seems like they're doing either deception or timey wimey slash like multiverse stuff. Yeah. It seems like the, the larger Definitely. thing that they're doing here. Definitely. But also, I think with something like uh, Falcon and Captain America, right? They're doing a little bit of like, let's show the mundane. Mm. Um, like, it's not mundane because obviously Modoc works at AIM and it's kind of like a, you know, fantastical. It's like, a, it's like an office place comedy, essentially. Yeah. In, in, in a way. In, but in, it also is like, it's trying to make him seem mundane in, in the midst of like what this is, right? Right. Um, so, yeah, those are the three lines that I'm trying to establish. And I think even Loki for sure is doing like the, 
multiverse kind of whatever. And I'm curious to see if this one's going to do that kind of shit. You know, it's interesting that you bring up Loki, though, because it is, in a sense, um, it deals with kind of like mundane workplace, you know, sort of stuff. And also the timey-wimey sort of multiverse, uh, too, at the same time. And big, like, uh, interrogating yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is another theme that I've noticed is, like, and this is something you get to do with TV is like you get to interrogate why what's why do we even care about this character like what is Loki right and like why do why do why does he still have an appeal and in that way I think that that's kind of the meta ness yeah and I think Modok is interesting because like so I watched the first episode and I saw even just his look it looks way different like mm. he's very like menacing yeah and like his you know his regular depiction he's got like red eyes yeah he looks kind of old and yeah. like he's got like that grin and shit mm-hmm. um so they definitely made him a little more like tongue in know, cheek or or just like looks like a just like a guy with a big face stressed out guy yeah i think and, they make various references to his big face throughout the show yeah. too as well and also like this is like just keeping in line with like what's going on in terms of like recent media uh depictions is like I feel like we just love villains now. We just want to see villain shit. Like we love, we love an anti-hero story. Like right. We want to see people. We want to see the villain struggle, but then eventually succeed. Yeah. Because like, how would this have existed a few years ago? Like, I don't think there was even that much interest in the character like this. No. But aside from that, like, did you enjoy the the comedy? Like the the humor? Like. Did it? Did you? Were you a fan of Robot Chicken at all, or did you watch? Yeah, it? no, I was definitely. I didn't. I didn't get into all the movies and all that kind of stuff. But I'm. I've always. I have an appreciation for sort of like practical effects when it comes okay. to which I would equate this sort of stop motion yeah, to at sure. the same time. I don't know. I'm. I'm famously, you know, a big puppet fan. You know, okay. I don't know if we've talked about that at you length or anything like that. The Jim Henson. Uh, yeah, kind yeah. Of a, that's a Jim Henson. Head. That's where it kind of starts. You know, but even like claymation and shit like that. You know, like so, I, could, I could get down with some Gumby if I need to. So you, you know, start at like lines. a base level, just respect for the show. And then, yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, I have. Yeah, you know, and that's what kind of initially drew me to Robot Chicken, uh, essentially, is I just like to see, you know, yeah, I like to see the movement. But also, you know, I mean, you could draw lines to Fantastic Mr. Fox, yeah. Isle of it's Dogs, which I haven't seen. I saw that. Um, and then also, help me with this, Anomalisa, the Charlie oh, Kaufman Anomalisa, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and right, then right, also right. by extension, yeah. uh, uh, being John Malkovich. Well, I don't know if you knew this, but... Too, and stuff like that. Uh, Starburns Industry produced that, so Dan Harmon's a producer on Anomalisa. Oh, okay. Which well, I, that checks out, yeah, you know, especially given, I mean, if, if we want to, I'll make reference to how the current season of Rick and Morty is making yeah. various nods to Charlie Kaufman <laughs> right now, too, at the right, same time. Right, right, right. Different, different episode, though, so yeah, I won't but get I will into say, that. I will say that the, the last three you mentioned, uh, the Wes Anderson and... Um, charlie kaufman stuff Mm -hmm. those feel a lot more art house and Mm. i think there's something about robot chicken that feels a lot more slapstick Mm. and i think that this one while it doesn't have it completely like it's not like there's an element like i I feel like in some ways robot chicken is kind of like tiktok or like a short form social media program Mm. like a you know like like vignettes right it's very like small unconnected kind of things that just like like, it speaks to kind of our dwindling attention sometimes. Yeah. Uh, even the fact that it was 10 minutes. Yeah. You know? Um, but what I, what I do think is interesting is the fact that, like, 
maybe Robot Chicken like kind of walked so a show like Modoc could run like oh a hundred percent specific yeah. yeah yeah like even like the fact that you know something like Fantastic Mr. Fox or Isle of Dogs or even Anomalisa mm-hmm. I think there had to have been a Robot Chicken for those to exist first right right along with the stuff that I'm sure came before it or whatever sure your Gumby and shit you know right 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 um can't have me on a podcast and not have me not mention gumby once in a while all right i just i just want to let you know that's that's what comes with the territory that's what it is yeah that's why that's why i talked to you today but um did you want to say something else no i was gonna i was gonna pivot to the family but go ahead okay well that has something so to reference to make the connection with this and, and 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 moving on to that connection you know um with the family stuff um i think some of it kind of the dealing with the um the family in sort of a fantasy slash phantasmagoric context right. did remind me of kind of a post Rick and Morty universe too mm. as well. Yeah. You know, it's like you have this crazy evil genius uh with all these, you know, plans, you know, that that's that he's trying to hatch, but at the same time he still has to go home and like deal with normal family shit yeah. you know yeah i think uh, that that's a good point it's like post robot chicken but also post rick and Martin. right right sure. it feels sort of a like a marriage of the two right and then you throw in a little bit of Patton oswald's brand of humor mixed with the slapstickiness you know yeah um that you pointed out too which i think is you know sort of characteristic of of robot chicken but yeah. then i think you see flourishes of like monty python oh, yeah, you know in sure. there and shit like that you know like with like the foot soldier that like loses an arm i'm like reminded of like yeah. uh holy grail and shit yeah, like that tis but you a know? Scratch right right Classic that group. kind of shit you know okay. in that respect there's even like simpson shit i don't know you yeah know? i mean for sure like i don't mean to say that like one is like the pioneer but i think no that- no 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 I think that even like something like Rick and Morty, I always think of him as like the Bugs Bunny, like the evolution of like right. the Bugs Bunny, like the smartest character in the room, right. and like kind of a god figure. And yeah, for sure. I think that this is like, and also the difference between this and like Rick and Morty or Robot Chicken and Rick and Morty is that Rick and Morty has like a narrative or like mm-hmm. it, it's, it, it's more adherent to a structure, like right. a, you know, sitcom structure. Yeah. And yeah, this one feels like it, it, it brings those two together where like it has that style Except it's like, you know, in like a still like a sitcom or like a A plot B plot kind of thing. Right. You know what I mean? Definitely. What did you think of the family in this? Were you, was that like, were you, I, I guess I, you have to be interested in the character a little bit. But yeah. I think that it was constructed in a way where like you could just be interested just by watching the first episode. Yeah. Like you didn't even have to know anything about the character. Yeah. I think I'm sort of eternally fascinated with family relationships portrayed on the screen or in a book or whatever, okay. you know, like as a narrative device, it's, it's always something that's interesting to me. Yeah. Like if I want to be real about it, like when, if I think about black widow, like that was like the most interesting part, you know, right. to it, uh, for me, I think <clears throat> I saw a tweet. I might've even forwarded it to you where it's like black widows, basically like marriage story with superheroes or something along those lines. Okay. So like, Again, I think it kind of mixes with the sort of mundane, you know, yeah. aspect of everyday life yeah, with like, these sort of supernatural occurrences. In like Face Force seems to really be moving into the interior of these characters. Right, right. And and I appreciate that too, right. you know, um, because I think it makes it sort of more relatable on a, on a yeah. certain level, you know, which if you 
you could always view Marvel as sort of saying, oh, it sort of lacks emotional core. So it's like you're bringing these actors in, you right. know, so why not? You know, yeah. you're bringing in David Harbour and and Francis Pugue and, 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 and ScarJo, you know, like why not try to, I know I'm getting off topic. No, no, no. The, I think this is a good the, point. With the, uh, uh, with the show, but I would draw it back to Patton in the sense that um, I we're big fans of uh, his, um, the HBO show that his, his based off into his, the dark, into the dark. And, right. Right. And it, it, you know, you, you're privy to all these sort of emotional, you know, sort of situations uh, regarding that, not just with her work, but you know, who she was as a person yeah. in that respect. So like, and it's also interesting to think about, sorry, finish. Your point. No, no. I mean, it, there's just, that's just the kind of connection that I'm sort of, you know, sensing in, the, in, in that respect. Yeah. You know? He's I mean, a dad too. And right. I, mean, I think pilot boys is about making connections that, you know, aren't fully there, but you're still thinking about them. Cause like, yeah, oh, like yeah. it's not like you have to watch every other Marvel thing that came out, but the fact that I have been, I'm like, oh, well, like, I'm curious to know what they're really trying to, like, connect here. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good point. I think, yeah, the best part of Black Widow was the family stuff. Because, like, the, the story is fine, you know? Like, it just felt a little too late for me. Cause I, I right, felt like you mentioned you, that. You, you could have used this, like, interior life for just, like, caring about this character more a lot earlier. Right. Like, right after Iron Man 2, I think. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. When they introduced the character to him. Right, right. Um... So, is there anything else you want to say about Modoc? Mm, I can't think. Of, I think that's that's kind of yeah. where I, where I'm at right now, uh, as far as that goes. Okay. So, what would you rate this? One to five. I give it a, a strong, um, like three point eight. Okay. Yeah. Uh, just because I haven't finished it, but I mean, the pilot itself was strong. Yeah, I agree. Um, I yeah, I'd go probably like. I think 3.8 is fair. Like, it wasn't... I, I think that it wasn't always funny because it was like... I think the thing about Robot Chicken is that it's like rapid-fire jokes. Yeah, it's like, like it's kind of like old family guy in that respect. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, yeah, 1,000%. But this didn't feel as, like, family guy-y. No. Um, and I think that sometimes when, like, there's so many jokes, you only catch a couple and only a few of them are good. Right. You know? Um, so, yeah, I think, I'd agree. I, I'd go 3.8. All cool. right. Let's move into Choi. Okay. Or Cho Show. Cho. Thank you. I don't know why I yeah. keep saying that. That's okay. Let's move into the Cho Show. Yeah. All right. So the first episode is really... Like, I think he's just trying to figure out the show. But sure. it's essentially just interrogating himself mm-hmm. and, like, his own traumas. Right. By using other people's uh, experiences, celebrities specifically. Their right. experiences with... Uh, with themselves and with him. Right. And, yeah. Um. But I think the thing that makes this an interesting show is that it's essentially just a, him interviewing celebrities, but he's animating it in a very interesting and like, you know, overtly like artsy way. Right. right? Yeah. Uh, what did you think of this? Um, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would, actually. Same. Yeah. Um, him as a presence, like. Interesting. I'm not like the hugest fan. I go back and forth on his art you know talk about that why why is that for you which part like why are you not the biggest fan or like what about don't you like he seems sort of like an edgelord in in a certain respect you Mm. know like it's just like he does things to be shocking you know in that in that sense but it's 
to me, it doesn't always feel sort of substantive in that mm. re- in that respect. And and he's doing it all under the guise of he's an artist, you know. Okay. And so like it can feel um, a little uh, conflated, you know, from an ego standpoint. Which right. again, I, I I have a hard time sort of relating, and especially if you in the context of sort of a, a tech, you know, okay. sort of guys. This is my question. Of, what's up? Is it because he's rich? No, I mean... Because I feel like for me, it has a little bit to do with that. Sure, sure. Right? Yeah, I mean, maybe perhaps, but less so, I think, you okay. know, in, in that sense, you know? Yeah. Like, I if, mean, I, if I'm fucking with you, I'm fucking with you. you right, know, right, right, in right. In that right. sense. I mean, Tony Bourdain was rich and all kinds of fools be lining up to, you know, yeah. get a piece of that. You know what I'm saying? Right, so, right, right. Uh, and he, he's also quick to, like... Uh, I mean, it's in, I, I think that... So, all right. The, the the episode in the beginning does this like does work to kind of introduce you to the character or sure. like his backstory i guess right his, um, his parent with his parents specifically with his parents but also just like how he exists in media or like he's mm. an ex felon and like right. he whatever right and like yeah. i think that that's like how else do you approach that doing something like this like you have to kind of like Set it up. In some ways, I feel like you have to be kind of a piece of shit to do this. Yeah, for right? sure. Yeah. Like, you kind of have to, like, but, accept that you're not, like, a f- in a f- looked at in a, f- in a favorable light in Hollywood. Mm. And that's where you start to build from. Like, it almost, like, that's his footing. Sure. Um, He's misunderstood. He's a misunderstood genius. Right. And I feel like that's kind of always been his introduction for sure. so far. I mean, I don't know if it worked any better in this than it did in like Ugly Delicious. Mm-hmm. It's like I feel like in Ugly Delicious, it, uh, it it was presenting almost like he was little David Chang's like little brother. Yeah. Who like gets into trouble. Right. <laughs> and this one, it just feels like he got rich and didn't really know how to deal with these sudden availability of like resources and like what that means for yeah. his vices or like his lifestyle, you know? Right. right. That, that, that's, which is a very relatable trait. Right. And I think that that's, I, I, maybe in some ways I do think it works better in the show. Cause like, you're like, all right, well I can, I can understand that he has a past mm-hmm. and now I'm trying to understand like he's in this late stage in his, or like a later stage in his life, you know, right. like he's like in his forties. Right. Something like that, yeah. And that makes sense. he's like having a kid, yeah. Um, but all right, let's talk about the. I'm curious because I know you've brought him up before. Hmm. The guy from Prayers, that his name? Prayers, or, yeah. Cat Bundy. What did you think of, well, of that? Can, actually, I wanted to bring up another point before we get off into yeah, yeah. into that diatribe because I got I got thoughts. But um, I wanted to talk a little bit specifically about the talk show format in which the show presents itself in okay. uh, as far as that goes. And when it was funny, cause when you were mentioning him right now as kind of like a person, you know, you described him as sort of a, like a piece of shit or whatever, you know? Yeah. And then it made me think like, like it's sort of, it takes the format of a late night talk show in, right. in a sense, you know? And, that's not something you and I, I don't know if we've discussed at length or anything like that. Is that, is that something you're big on? It's something that I'm interested in, definitely, in that mm. respect, you know? Like, I'm, 
like anthropologically sort of yeah okay. m- m- perhaps from a cultural standpoint definitely you okay. know and just like the format of late night and sort of like how it's evolving how it's evolving especially yeah. with covid and right like right. that that accelerated a lot of that yeah so you have that and even I see, so how we were talking about how Modoc was sort of, you know, there's elements of sort of post-Rick and Morty. I feel Chosho feels like a little bit of a post-Desus and Marrow in that in that sense, you know. And it's like they're they're continuously trying to like flip the, the, okay. the concept and, and push the card a little bit now more. Now we're fucking cooking with <laughs> oil. Okay, brought the bars up. I mean, yeah, I think that that's a great point. I think, so it's interesting that like, Another, uh, like, part of how it's evolving is podcasts. Right. Like, it's, and more than anything, what, what it really is and what a talk, a talk show is, removed from, like, the politics of it all, it's just a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, the reason why I think talk shows, at least for my generation, or just me specifically, is that you can, you can feel the artifice. You can feel that this was for promotion for right. talk shows. And mm-hmm. I think that shows like these and Merrill, which is interesting that they started off that way and it seems like they're starting to enter more into the traditional talk show format and sure i think that it's it's the idea that like you can fix the system of talk shows by mm-hmm. replacing the hosts mm-hmm. and it's all in like how the host carries it and i don't know if that's true mm-hmm. i think that even something like uh, eric andre is changing what what the idea of a talk show host is. right and that one's like you know, like fourth wall, like fifth dimensional sure. shit. Like it's, sure. it's just trying to make them, it's trying to torture them. Right. Um, and I didn't really think about the show as like a talk show. And I, I think that that's such a like great point. Yeah. You know, I think that, um, I think that we're seeing a little more sort of the breaking down of the ivory towers, you know, to your point, you know, right. whereas like, even if you think about like, just the setup you know it's like he's inviting them into his childhood home to be vulnerable to be vulnerable in that respect if you think about it from a desus and marrow standpoint you know it's like even think about how the stage is sort of configured in that respect when when they're talking to a guest um they're either on either side of the guest or more recently i think it's like it's just sort of an open floor floor plan where they're in like a a bodega set but there's no desk or anything like that in between them and i kind of like thought something similar in that sense you know yeah no i think that's a good point whereas you you take traditional talk shows or even like hot hot ones right exactly exactly you know um and and again maybe you you bring in the introduction to covid and how that kind of messes with the formats and the social distancing and all of that kind of stuff there's elements of that there too as well um that i think are sort of sort of broken down and I think that, sorry, did you have another point? My only other point is I want to bring in sort of the misanthrope sort of um, narrative as as Cho is the host, you know, he's kind of like this like fucked up person. And yeah. then it's funny because you, he's very upfront with it, you know, yeah. he's like, I'm, I'm like, you know, a piece of shit, you know. He's, and, a, he's, he's got a lot of shame. Yeah, yeah. But it's funny because you think about these traditional hosts, you know, 
um, your Letterman's, your Carson's, and and everything you hear about them when they're not off stage is you know basically they were sort of, you know they're sort they're of socio- monsters. they're sort of sociopathic you know and yeah. it's like they had to put on the face the entire time you know right. which is why you know ultimately they had such a hard time relating to people right know, which to, goes back to the artifice of it right right whereas Cho maybe Cho's coming at it from the whole different angle he's like no nah, I'm I'm just a piece of shit like, you know this is who like, I am. yeah yeah so let's let's talk about my trauma yeah. you know and like what, we got that out of the way right. now let's talk about some real shit yeah exactly exactly and I, I mean I, he it's interesting that he even like the way he constructs the kind of like the world that he's operating in is like he puts in a clip of joe rogan and right. that is again like going into that talk show space or like sure. that that conversation space which i think say what you will about joe rogan like the clip that he showed was was him breaking down in front of him which right. is like a very vulnerable you know uh moment i guess but i guess that we've we're now so far and i think marin is another big example definitely but we're now so far into it that like it's part of the the media package definitely to go on a podcast and promote mm-hmm. yeah so like are we just going in another cycle or is do you think that stuff like this is like i don't know doing something else because i think even in the way that this show is constructed which is just a mini series of four episodes right right it's it's a personal kind of like project about himself, mm-hmm. but it's also like kind of a, a concise or like a piece, a package. It's, sure. it's not like an ongoing thing. Right. Like, do you think it's suggesting that that format of talk shows is just not sustainable to like have this production every single time? And like part of the reason why it gets stale is because you just do it all the fucking time and there's it's, it's like soulless or lifeless yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And and then I, I'm, I'm speaking from someone who's like, I didn't grow up on it like that. Like, I, I enjoy them from time to time, but, you know, it does feel like it's the same shit every time. Right. right? Yeah. And especially if you you uh, build in promotional cycles, too, I think that can feel especially soulless, too, because it's you're selling the art. So, you know, you're removing kind of, you know, a little bit of the emotional aspect to it, too. So I think with podcasts, you know, and, and maybe this talk show format that we're, you know, which is kind of based around the the same format is that you know they're trying to kind of put more of the soul back into it too as well and make it sort of more emotionally relevant and making a way for it to kind of connect with you know each other too and i think it just kind of starts with time like yeah you know you can't if you're talking to somebody for excuse me if you're only going to use like about two minutes Mm -hmm. like you're not going to get the best sound bites you know like right it takes time to like have a conversation like right. you know even Marin talks about how he can't relate to some people and like sometimes they'll talk about like shit that they they don't talk about i right. think you told me about the maynard right the the guy from tool did i i don't know or i think he talked about it on a podcast but like okay. he interviewed the guy from tool and mm. like he hated tool because he thought it was like <laughs> yeah. full of shit and yeah. then he ended up not talking to him about the band really right he was just connecting him on other things and i, yeah. I think that that's what it is is like you can't expect that like everybody's gonna have like a banger story, right? You know, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, but aside from that, I think that's that's kind of like the the outside or like the subtext here, sure, or you know, even the context. But I think that I want to talk a little bit about the art and like the kind of like chaotic nature of it, mm. and like how it's I don't know, like I, I feel like I've heard. Like, as much as I've heard about David Cho's art style and art in general, mm-hmm. 
I've heard an equally an equal amount of voice about how his shit is derivative. Like even when you brought him up and you're talking about why like you didn't like his stuff, I feel like a lot of that comes with that, right? Like they don't like he's he's not people don't see him as like a credible street street graffiti artist or like he borrows from shit. You know what I mean? Like sure. That that's kind of in the conversation when you talk yeah. about him. Um how well, did you feel watching this? Like seeing his art in this format? I'm not the biggest fan of his art, you know? I, I again What about it? it's sort of haphazard you know it feels like it's more going for shock value without any sort of substance you know i think i think he's probably evolved more it's not, it seems like i like the element that he's like doing portraits you know like in right. the show too i think his portraits are good there's a good portrait of bourdain that he did okay um that show that i think they show in the show or or, or something is that the one that's at major domo uh, I don't know. Maybe I've never been to. Major I've seen Dome. like I've never not liked his work, but I was removed. I had no context outside of Ugly Delicious, so I was like, so fine. I can give you a quick backstory on sure, the, sure, sure. on where where yeah, I yeah. come from. Um, so there's a hotel in San Francisco called um, Hotel Des Arts, and in each hotel room, a different artist has painted the inside of it. Okay. Okay. And so I've stayed there at various points in my life and I've stayed in the David Cho room. Okay. And so to me, when I stayed in there, it was like very like sort of just sort of haphazard graffiti, you know, in that Mm. sense, you know, there's like a guy sitting on a toilet, like, you know, facing you as you go to the bathroom, you know, like, Mm. okay you know, spray painted crudely, you know? And so, so I'm just like, is this just like supposed to shock me or whatever? Now, granted this, these, this work, I think he did it before he, he got famous, you know? Okay. So it's like, um, I, all right. So go ahead. I feel like there's a little bit of a, there's a, there's, you get the sense that like the kind of tortured artist thing, you don't know whether, how much of it is real or not. I'm mm-hmm. sure that some of it is, Sure. Uh, I'm sure that most of the trauma he talks about, it, you know, is real. Seems legit, as they say. Sure. But I think the fact that he, like, outwardly tries to be that person right. through his art and, like, through his appearances is kind of what leaves the sour taste. Mm-hmm. In the same way that, like, people don't like David Chang because, like, it feels like he's purposely trying to be an asshole to create right. tension right. or whatever. Yeah. Right? Um. But I, all right, so I think it's interesting that the people that he picks to interview right. are kind of in a similar space of like kind of outcast ish. Sure, Camondi is the interesting one because I don't think I think that her persona is like alt or mm. I don't know like counter. Right. But now she's been around so long that she's just kind of the norm or like right. part of the mainstream, maybe. Well, they're. Okay, so Raphael from Prayers and Go ahead. and uh, and Kat Von D are interesting topics, especially on this show, but also just in general for us, because for lack of a better term, they are Latino creators. You know, Kat Von D's cre- Latina. Yeah, I did not know. Oh that. yeah, 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 yeah. I think she's she's part. Okay, um, as far as that goes. So um, I can't. I don't know if they talked about that in the show, but. But she is Latina, right? I did see, yeah, yeah, yeah. Her mom, I think. Right, right. But I, I didn't, I didn't 
I didn't know anything about her. But also, she's not my like cup of tea. Well, so so okay. So that's my point, though. Is like she's not mine either, and neither is prayers. You know, it's interesting that that Kat Von D and Raphael from Pears were the uh, the two beginning main guests. You know, the right. central focus of this. And I say that from our space because it's like, in a sense, they're sort of inescapable for us. You know, they are Latinos creators. You know, we occupy that space. So it's like, even if we don't really prefer their art per se i feel like we still have to have a take on them because they're sort of ever present yeah sort of ubiquitous well, you know, I, in, I don't know in, that's, in that sense is that true of the prayers guy because i don't know what the fuck that guy is well yeah for me it is okay. and i'll tell you why i can give you a little bit of yeah 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 because you you brought him up and i was like i didn't even know i didn't even know who this guy was so when prayers came out, the thing that was attached most to them was Cholo Goth. And that was a term that for whatever reason really rubbed me the wrong way. Because right. I'm like, that's not a fucking thing, you know, in that respect, <laughs> you know? Like I I'd look, I don't know exactly, but I can say that a lot of Cholos were goth. Sure. I don't know if they dress that way and like But did they call themselves Cholo Goth? No, that was no. that's the lamest shit. Yeah, to that's call what I'm saying. Exactly. Exactly. So like it was I don't know if Raphael came up with the term, but I've always had a disdain for it for because it just felt sort of fabricated in that respect right. and, and sort of capitalizing on subcultures just because it's just like well, kind of like what Kat Von D does. Perhaps. Except, yeah. But look, I, I don't know enough about her to say that with certainty. Right. Right. Like, I don't know if like like if I didn't know just now that you told me that she was Latina, I would just assume that her Latina fans are there because Latinos love to get tattoos. Sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, they do. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, but so do white people. You know? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> exactly. San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. That's... But to return back really quickly to the 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 prayers and, and Cholo Goth, you know, <clears throat> as a movement, I guess, as it were, um, I've as I've started to write more and more about music, I've even like kind of, you know, drifted into that space a little bit more, you know, shout out, shout out Nate, no face, you know, um, who is, I think an emerging figure in that scene, you know, and he even sort of co-ops even larger spaces. Cause you have punk, you have new wave, you have, yeah. you know, hardcore, <laughs> all of that kind of stuff, you know, which I think is, and, and I asked him about the term, you know, too, and how Cholo he though? felt about it. Yeah, exactly. He kind of had the same reaction, you know, he was not really like, you know, uh, feeling very strongly about a label and, and all of that kind of stuff. And it feels like marketing talk. It does. Right? It does. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that, um, you know, not to, to draw it out too much, you know, I think that Nate No Face, I think he's been doing it for a long time too, mm. you know, even perhaps before prayers existed, you know. And so I think that there's it's 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 interesting to kind of trace it from that perspective. He's collaborated with with Nate recently, or excuse me, he's re, he's re collaborated with Raphael recently too. From prayers, yeah, okay. yeah, and they've known each other for a while too. At so the same I, time, I guess so. the question is, does the guy from prayers? call himself that or is it just something else? i don't know that's a good question i feel like he has i don't know if he has recently but um perhaps look i know? don't i don't know this fool's lifestyle and i don't know who he is um i'm sure he's a real person i'm sure he did bang and shit but 
there was something about it that felt like and I guess that's just the way that the show's constructed, but it just felt like like Robert Paulson from Fight Club, like he was mm. he was too quick to like open up about and and again, I don't know their relationship. I don't know any of this stuff, but I was just like it seems like this guy has said this story a lot. Sure. Um he does talk about his background a lot. Yeah, and even the way the stuff that you're talking about, it seems like they're talking like uh he's kind of in that space of like I'm kind of an outsider mm-hmm. in 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 what I do. Um so like I wonder if like what a lot like I, I don't know if Kevin D applies necessarily, but and I don't I don't think Asakir does either, but there's a sense of like they feel like they're posers or like people think that they're posers, mm. right? Yeah. Um and I, I don't know, like I, I just felt like also like the the questions David Cho was asking was like such a like Oh, you're a cholo? Like, what is it like to be like? It's yeah. just like a little kid asking, like, sure, what it's like to be a cholo. So, yeah, and, and I, I can't say just based on watching it that I didn't feel like the guy Raphael kind of got off on it. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? What do you mean by got off on it? Like, like he didn't take pleasure in answering the questions. Like when you talk to to real gangsters, like OGs or like gangsters, mm-hmm. they don't talk about that shit. No. They don't bring it up at all. Like right. that shit is real, real silent. Right. Whereas it's, it's he kind of got off and like talking about. He leans know. into it more. Yeah, and, and and look, I'm not saying that that has to do with like him being with Kat Von D, but based mm-hmm. on like you know kind of the way that the show or like they presented them, I, I thought it had something to do with that. Sure. Because she's she the way that that she had been talking about it, like these are conversations that we've already had, and like right. I didn't live this way, and like. I want to make him like I want she she basically wants to make him feel okay to like share in this way be vulnerable right but right then that goes into kind of like is this real or is this like artifice like how many takes did they do you know just right. just stuff like that like little, yeah. little specific stuff I, I I'm inclined to think that it's 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 real yeah well you know it's interesting that you say that too because in an effort to always contradict myself. Um, this was the first time where I watched an interview with him. And I've watched a few, you know, okay. where I was actually like, I'm not actually annoyed by Raphael right now. Like, okay. I, uh, I'm okay with... he. For some reason, he seems more human now. Like, okay. he seems more relatable. Maybe like, less poser-ish right. in that respect. I don't know if that's me. I don't know if that's him. Because he wasn't framed in, like, through a marketing term. Right. He right. wasn't, you know, he wasn't, well, like, on a... It wasn't a Vice feature or well, something like if that. If I could be vulnerable know? with you right now. Sure. Like if I could open up a little bit. I think it's kind of tinged by the fact that you told me that he might be kind of a poser. Right. So I, I, I was like, oh, this guy's, a, this guy's opening up right now. He's a poser. Right. You know what I mean? Like, sure. I, I think it has to, like, certainly, like, it had to have bled into how I watched this. But I think by the end of it, you're just kind of left with, like, does it matter? Like, right. It just seems like he's telling, like, he's just being honest about his life. And that's kind of where the space that I occupied, too, at the same time. Right. So... Um, and then I, I guess we can move into, I, I will say that I was a little annoyed with Kat Von D, mm. um, because I, I think that I'm annoyed when like people who had, you know, like were well off or whatever, mm-hmm. they find the need to like still ostracize themselves. Yeah. Like, which it very feels like a very poser's quality to yes. quality too. Like it felt like she was like, Oh, well I didn't go through what she did. He did. But, you know, like, I had, like, my own shit. And I'm just, like, 
I don't think you have to even acknowledge. I think you can just talk about your own thing instead yeah. of like creating that distance. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Anyway, so is there anything else you want to say about them? I, I just want to move into Asakura before we finish. No, about done. I like the portrait. I like the portrait that he that he painted of them. Him. Yeah, like I the thought it was good. American Gothic mm-hmm. or Cholo Gothic. Cholo Gothic. Yeah. Um, Cholo punk. What did you think of Asa? I felt like this one felt more authentic. I felt like they have Cho- a pretty well. They have a pretty strong relationship. Right. Those two. They had a podcast together for yeah, a really yeah, yeah. long time. And, and did they date they at one point? Up, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they talked about when they used to. Fight. Right. Right. Um, and I just felt like they have a better chemistry. Sure. Like, I, I feel like Kat Von D's industry is fuck. Yeah. And an industry plant. I don't. I don't feel like they they got each other's energy as much. Like this fool was talking about like anal sex in like five seconds. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, it was like, like, are the, you going to tell your kid you had anal sex on camera? Right. I think there was a question about And then that. they had that, like, reenactment where he was Cho's mom, or, like, he was uh, Asa's son, or right. soon-to-be yeah. child. Right. Um, and he, like, he shits on her for being a porn star. Or whatever. Right. But it, I think there was, like, because of their relationship, I was able to get into it more. Yeah, that doesn't feel like the first time he's done that to her. For either, sure. You yeah. Know? I mean, for sure there's, like, some boundaries, but it feels like... Kind of back to the the David Chang things. Like, he says stupid shit and he's dumb, but you know they have a relationship. Mm-hmm. Like there's his little brother kind of mm-hmm. shit. Um, and I also just feel like, like Asa, you know, like I I don't think she's a poser. Yeah. Okay. Like, so this is more of a, a bravery. To so some of the stuff she this does. is I'm I'm very curious to ask you this question, and I don't really have a reason why, but like, I feel like that. Um, you have sort of this interest in sort of normalizing sex workers in in a sense, you know, I, I, I don't Me? know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like in terms of like how you think. Like on of, this episode or in general? Just in general. Okay. Just in general. Okay. You know, like I, you have this, I feel like you have this, and this is just based off conversations that we've had before. You have sort of this like objective respect, respect but objective interest of like pornography okay. too as well. You it's know? like you with Robot Chicken. Like I have a sure, a stock yeah, respect. yeah, or uh, practical effects puppetry. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You. I have puppets. For me, it's for you. It's a uh, Kermit. For me, it's dildos. Or right. Something. Okay. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. I mean, yeah, for sure, it's the profane or the obscene. Like, I don't. Ha- I'm not uncomfortable by it. Right. Right. It, but it, but I'm also not like saying like you're trying to get horny either. No. You no, know? no. Like no, you no. you have this like objective like like interest in it. Right. You know. In I that, think so in too. that sense. Um, I think I just like I'm into like nasty shit. Right. It's just like that's. But like, again, not from a horny perspective. No. Like you're not just, trying like, to get horny. Interested like, in like like what it says about like it's so fascinating finding out. Just the, like how Asa is a human. Right. Like, you know, it's, it's, I don't know anything about what, like, to interact with a person like that. So it's from like an anthropological mm-hmm. standpoint, you, there's so much to know about. Yeah. The people who work in this industry, whatever. Right. Cause it's not like, it's not in my world, like, firsthand. Sure. So I experience it through the internet or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, what were you gonna say? No, no, that I, I just I want to hear what you have to say. You know. So uh, yeah, like I, I mean, and it's also the thing that like I know Asa. Like I've mm-hmm. I've seen some interviews, right? Like on the Bobby Lee podcast. She's, she's well known. You yeah, know? and like she's in she's, a non pornography context, right. right? She's a personality. Like she, right. I think she actually like has a personality. Definitely. Um, so like to see their their interaction, and I had never really listened to the podcast. Right. I'd seen them on a podcast together, but I hadn't mm-hmm. heard like 
just a podcast with them too. Sure. Um, so like, yeah, I felt like there was less of her trying to prove herself to the world. Right. And her trying to just exist and prove herself to her family or whoever. Yeah. And I, I didn't, I didn't have to like, I guess I just didn't have that like, is she a poser? Mm-hmm. The way I did with like no. Kat Von D and Price. Right, right. And I think that that made it a more interesting interview. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would imagine that, um, I don't know. I feel like it's a lot harder to be a poser when you're in pornography. Yeah, because like, you're bearing it all. Right, it's literally. Like a, right. You know? Which you is know? why it's, it's, you know, there's less Especially of a, like on that level too, you know? Right. Like she holds world records and stuff. Yeah, exactly. You know? like, <laughs> google it if you don't know what we're talking about (laughs) um yeah and i I actually like i like the kind of like him revealing that he's a kid now and like right it is a little bit of like i don't know like digging up your past Mm -hmm. it felt like with asa and like really interrogating yourself instead of like and just talking about it with hurt people. Like, sure. I, I don't know. In some ways, the, the, the Kat Von D and Prayers one felt like he was, like, at a program. Right. And with Kat Von D, I mean, excuse me, and with Asa, it was, like, just a deep conversation between two homies. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that there was more authenticity Definitely. to it. Definitely. Maybe that's the better word. Poser. Like, I, I don't mean to, like, ascribe that they're, like, to say that they're posers and I'm not. like Inauthentic. Right. Right. It felt a little more authentic. I think that's probably the better way to sure. say it. Definitely. Definitely. Um, anything else you want to say about the awesome part? No, I don't no. think so. All right. Anything else about the two show? What would you rate Cho Cho show? Mm, I'd probably give it a similar score. Yeah. Yeah. Probably a, like a smidge under four. You I know? would. I would go four. Yeah. I think the art really carried it for me. Yeah. Like I was really into the the claymation and like the sure. outlining. So I, I think I am kind of into his art. Because I, I like the the chaotic nature of it. Right. What starts to bring like take me out of it is the fact that you're like, is it put on? Right. And that that's what I go back to. Mm. But I think it looks good. Like yeah. I look at his art like next to Guerrilla and, and downtown or like mm-hmm. you know, and it looks good. Like it I, does. I think it, it looks it looks nice. But I think there will always be a little bit of like well, he got lucky. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, I Definitely. think that's that's inherent to him as a figure in right. culture. Yeah. And I think he acknowledges it in the first, like, five minutes of the show. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we can end it. Cool. Sounds good. Well, thank you for coming on and talking. Thank you for having me. I feel like you, you really, as you always do, you, you help me see some shit that I didn't even think about. Well, the feeling's mutual, sir. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, man. All right, man. Thanks. All right. Peace. Peace.